0: Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill, and this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 185. 185 and still alive.
1: (laughs) If you want us to be. If you want us to be. (laughs) How are you doing?
0: Um, Good. I'm
1: good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a super busy week, and so I feel like I'm just running on fumes, but um, I saw pictures of you at Moulin
0: Rouge last night. And yeah, that, I was
1: like living vicariously through you.
0: It was <laughs> awesome. It, didn't you ask me a long time ago if I wanted to go to Moulin Rouge with you? I did. I, and I said yes. And then you did nothing. And then I did nothing. <laughs> I was like, yes, why? Nothing. <laughs> because it's all like updated songs, kidding. right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, they updated. There's some songs from the movie still, but they. I think, and um, but they updated everything. Um, but I feel like it was probably updated in the like 2010s. Okay, and it doesn't really go <laughs> much. It's like CeeLo, uh-huh. green. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like it's it wasn't. Ooh, we quite might need updated. another update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's like Lord. Lorday, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like stuff like that. Like it was right. it was updated to that point in time. But gotcha, gotcha. it was um, but nonetheless, very entertaining. It was yeah. just the from start to like it was just the best way I could describe it is just like brain candy. Like brain and ear candy. Eye candy, brain candy, ear candy for for I think hour and a half, then intermission, then another hour. But, um, uh, it was just like beautiful scenery, gorgeous people, I mean, had, um like great dancing, singing, and then um great music, like the sets were were awesome. yeah, um, but what I love so much about it too, is that all of the dancers were everybody type, like everybody type was represented. <gasps> yes. And they all did a phenomenal job. And it just made like the little girl dancer and me growing up be like, fucking see, like we, we didn't have to be skinny and we didn't have to right? starve ourselves in diet. Like, and just because, like, if I was a chubby kid, that doesn't mean that I couldn't be a good dancer. Like, I certainly could have, but like, it was just like always. Drilled in our brains to like, to diet, 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 be as thin as possible if you want to be a dancer. And it was just, it's such bullshit and I'm so glad that that's that's not a thing anymore and the Christian Sirianos fashion show that I went to in New York it was every size model and they were all beautiful and you don't even look at them and think like oh this one's a plus size and this one's a skinny like it, it's yeah. just like they're all just beautiful and that's just what it is and I'm I'm just loving to see it I loving it yes
1: I'm with you. I mean, as as a, uh, you know, a chubby kid turned chubby adult, I never saw myself ever in, like, when I looked for clothes. Like, there was never anybody who looked anything like me in clothes. There was right. never anybody who looked anything like me dancing. I was, like, forced out of – not forced out of dancing, but I was, like, told I could not be a dancer at age six because yeah. of, like – my I because I my body type. And I just was like, that's so crazy to think of a six-year-old being like, Yeah, you're not gonna go far. You should go to soccer.
0: <laughs> it, that's so infuriating and so fucking it, sad and so untrue. So,
1: yes, and so untrue because when you see people of all sizes and shapes and heights and you know abilities dancing, it's just all that more beautiful. To see oh, not just all like people looking exactly the same like just there's beauty and variety so and I it love was that
0: so much sexier I mean because it yeah. was like rouge everybody's in like these bustiers and like their butts are all hanging out and it's like it's so much sexier to see like voluptuous women with yeah. curves up there yeah. rather than you to see those like not that there's anything wrong with the stick figure either but I'm just saying no. like if it was all the typical ballerina stick figure body doing those moves, it just would have been completely lost. Right. You know what I mean? So I do
1: know what you mean. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, I wish I would have like <laughs> um gone with my first instinct months ago when I asked you if you go with me. Yeah. I think I I think I heard somebody talking about seeing it on Broadway and then me being like, oh my God, I want to see it. Oh, it's coming to Atlanta. And then going and looking and they weren't on sale yet. And then I
0: just never followed up. Well, that's why we call you never follow up, Sally, because you never do. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: I mean, good thing you have Jim now.
0: I'm just kidding. We never, yeah. Jim got us free tickets, so thank God I have Jim to get us free tickets. So <laughs> always, it was awesome. always
1: follow up. We call him Free Ticket Jim.
0: Free Ticket Jim. Actually, yes, Free Ticket Jim. He has the connections to everything. Like our first date was a free ticket. Our second date was free tickets. I mean, we've had a. F- pretty much free trip to Boston I mean just yeah he's just like he's just the guy that gets all the stuff he's just free ticket gym that's what we're gonna call him he's gonna love it hold up free
1: tick all right free tickets to Cirque du Soleil yeah like free ticket gym all right, ride. all right. I see now. Like you've been, you've been talking it Like, oh, he's so nice. He treats me oh, so yeah, well. No. He's funny, and everybody likes him. He's just a great guy. <laughs> but I know, now I know. <laughs>
0: for the tickets.
1: You love a free, free ticket. ticket.
0: <laughs> perks, perks, perks. Delta Sky Lounge. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs>
1: oh uh, yeah, you've been on this free ticket um all right let's get into our quickies
0: okay okay so I actually went to go do one quickie um but then it quickly turned into like three little mini ones okay because they're all very short but they're all kind of they're all the MIV the asshole they're like three different yep. am ar- the asshole articles yeah so we'll just figure out are they the asshole on the, these three? Uh, but these are all wedding related. Okay. okay. So the first one, uh, and these are all by Anders Engelsy for newsweek.com. Okay, yeah. Or it could be Anders. <laughs> oh,
1: Anders. Could be Anders. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um, I imagine him
1: very tall and Swedish. Um, Probably. Or...
0: Could it be a girl?
1: Oh, like maybe it's like Andrea, like, but she's like, but I go by Anders.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing in my brain. Okay. But who knows? Maybe I'll show Google yourself, them.
1: Anders, Anders.
0: <laughs> who are you? <laughs> what is your life? <laughs> are you Swedish? <laughs> um, all right, reveal yourself. <laughs> show your face. Okay, so this first one, uh, this was a viral post that was um, that was shared from Reddit, and by the Asshole? Um, this person, CheapSill, uh, went on I'm, I'm the Asshole to ask. So she's a 28-year-old female, and she wrote that her younger brother, who's a 24-year-old male, and his fiance, 23 23-year-old female, are supposed to get married in the spring after being engaged for about a year. That's pretty young, but not unheard of. So- not unheard of. She said, my younger brother has always been the golden child between the both of us to my mom, not to my dad. What did he do to his dad? (laughs) Um, And it said, um, him and his fiance currently live with her rent-free, might I add. My dad and I, on the other hand, are having mixed feelings about this family. We both feel like my brother is rushing into things and not being financially smart. He just finished his bachelor program a year ago and is trying to get on his feet and find a good full-time job in his field and decides to spend thousands of dollars on a wedding. We sat him down and explained to him and asked him what the rush was. Why not push off for a few years and save up so you guys can really have the wedding of your dreams. He explained to us that his fiance wants the wedding as soon as possible and doesn't want to wait. Well, his fi- fiance's family is pitching in a couple of thousand for the wedding, and my dad, reluctantly, is pitching in a couple thousand as well. And she said, All important later. Well, a few nights ago, I'm meeting dinner with my husband, and I get a call from my future sister in law. Conversation starts out normal. Hey, how are you? Yada, yada, until she has a serious question to ask me. She asked me if she can use my wedding dress that I just wore to my wedding just over a year ago. She explains that she can't afford one herself and that she absolutely loves mine and wants to use it as her something borrowed. I immediately shut her down and I I said I'm sorry but no this is a thousands of dollars dress that we're talking about and she'd have to have it altered to fit her by the way too so no way we're not even close at all and barely talk so like what the fuck is it true Uh, she starts begging and even starts crying and going on about how she can't afford one I told her I'm sorry but no then she starts to go on about how I'm not even financially helping her and my brother pay for the wedding so the least I can do is let her use my dress. I told her the honest truth that I think that they're rushing into having a wedding and not being financially smart. She said she didn't care. She has a timeline and wants to be married by 25. I basically said to her that she made her bed. So now she has to lie in it. is a lot of information for a simple question. I'm just saying this girl really put right, it out I'm like,
1: there. Okay, we get yeah, it. I know.
0: So uh, yada, yada. She said, um, she so she said that she needed to figure it out, and if she can't afford her own wedding dress, then maybe she shouldn't have a wedding. She ran back to my mom and my brother and my brother to tell them what I said. They think I'm the asshole because I have the money financially to help my brother and his fi- fiance, but I'm being too selfish and unsupportive. They also think, It's just a dress, so what's the big deal? My dad on the other side is defending me and is now thinking of taking back his financial help due to the sheer audacity of my brother and fiance asking me such a thing. Is she the asshole?
1: I mean, I kind of feel like everybody's an asshole in this scenario. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Like- like You know what? Mind your own fucking business about who wants to get married when. Like, also, you don't have to give her your wedding dress. Like, that's that's I mean, that's a crazy thing to ask someone. But and it's her right to say no. So the the fiance was being out of, you know, that's that's out of control. But also, like, you stuck your nose in way before. Yeah. Any of this happened and sat your brother down and told him he's not being financially responsible. Like, oh, fuck off. He's 23.
0: And also since when is it the sister's responsibility to pay for the brother's wedding? That's unheard of. That's and unheard so, of. And, and when it comes to like wedding dresses, like you can literally buy a white dress off a rock somewhere. Like people yes. have gotten married in white shorts and T-shirt. We've seen that before (laughs) on this podcast but uh, like so yeah every single one of them is an asshole and even the dad Dad, is an asshole the 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 dad dad's like giving the money and then threatening to take it away over the audacity of the situation like nobody is showing anyone any sort of grace
1: no, um, and, like, sh- the mom ganging up on the sister. Like, it's all – that's just a dysfunctional family.
0: It's kind of and just I think a family they should all, of assholes.
1: Yeah, they all deserve each other. She's sounds like yeah. this asshole fiancé is marrying into the right asshole family. because Right. So yeah.
0: I think the brother and the fiancé should get married in jeans and a T-shirt, a lobe somewhere. Yes. The dad and the daughter could go – sit in their corner over here and the mom and the brother and the fiance can sit in their corner over there and they could all just be assholes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is, uh, that sounds about
0: right. Yeah. Everybody's an asshole. (laughs) I think that's our first everybody's the asshole (laughs) for am I the asshole? Um, Okay. (sighs) Let me throw another one at you real quick. Okay. This one's an interesting one. Okay. So basically my husband and I are getting married later this year. Each of our sides of the family are fairly big. It will be around hundred to 150 people. My husband and I are paying for all of this ourselves, as well as my grandmother who said she doesn't care one way or the other on the issue. She just loves weddings. We have a lot of, in our, a lot of kids in our family. So we decided against making it child-free, but we did decide to make it dry so there will be no alcohol of any kind at our wedding. Honestly, this doesn't have anything to do with there being kids there, but due to the fact that my fiance and I don't drink. Nothing against people who do, it's just not for us and we don't want to. On top of that, we only really drink water. We rarely if ever drink soda, so most of the time it's only water with the occasional juice or milk. We don't even drink coffee. Oh, Uh, fucking whoop-de-doo. You sound
1: like a blast. (laughs) So uh, obviously the food, which
0: my grandmother is paying for, is going to be expensive for that many people. We are having our wedding catered, so everyone will have a good choice of food to choose from. But to drink, only water will be provided. We don't have to pay for alcohol or soda. It's just a large added expense when we can just do filtered water for a much cheaper cost. Well, when my family and friends found out about it, they got angry. Some didn't really care, but some are really upset about it, saying that I can just have an open bar so that I don't have to pay for drinks. We could. That would not be an open bar. It says we could, but we'd still have to pay the bartender, and we don't really want to bother with alcohol being there. We should at least have soda because, or we should at least have soda because we can expect everyone to drink only water. The kids will be upset. The wedding will be boring. This is not how weddings work, etc. So am I the asshole? I didn't think it would be a problem. It's only water. I mean, don't most people drink water every day anyway? Should we pay the extra to have soda to make the family happy? What do you think? <laughs> okay,
1: here's what I think. I don't want to go to that wedding. I don't want to go sounds... to that wedding either. But I don't think if you don't drink and you don't want to pay for – alcohol that you shouldn't have to have alcohol at your wedding. I think that I agree with that. I think that they're being naive if they think that it's not going to upset people like, and just to have, I mean, it's like, you're paying for food. Why not also just have soda? It cannot be that much more expensive, but it is, they are paying for it and they are, it's their party, their wedding. I think people can spend one night without alcohol, I personally would not enjoy that wedding or reception, but I also don't think you should have to have it.
0: What do you think? I agree with you. I think that – and I think it kind of depends. If they have addiction problems and they're alcoholics, Mm. then I think there certainly shouldn't be any alcohol there, and I think that everybody should support that. It is one night. you know. I've gone to dry weddings before. Do I love it? No. But you could do it. (laughs) Right. Um, but if they just – if it's just not their thing, you mm-hmm. know, then maybe they should be a little more – like, I I kind of like the friend's idea of, like, well, can't you just have a bar and let us buy our own drinks? Yeah, I'd exactly. It's that. like you don't
1: have to pay for it. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: – yeah, I just
1: – I just am like, it's a party, so –
0: Even if that's not
1: your idea of a party, it's most people's idea of a party. So you just have to be ready for that to be the people to be like, your party sucks.
0: Like, listen, (laughs) I don't like jalapenos, you know? But would I stop other people from eating jalapenos at my party? You know what I mean?
1: I do know. You'd be
0: like, oh, bell
1: peppers. Yeah. Like, or I can't eat
0: gluten. I wouldn't like have a gluten-free wedding and make my guests only eat. I, m- I remember my sister got married and she was vegan at the time and she had a yeah. vegan top of a wedding cake or a piece, a part of the wedding cake was vegan and the rest of it was not because she wasn't going to make her whole, the, all yeah. of her guests eat. I don't know. I think like, come on. You can't do like a lemonade or something? Yeah, come on. I don't like know. Like a fresh,
1: fresh squeezed lemonade? Yeah, like a... a something. You know,
0: like it just make... Get like the mix, you know? You can make right. like 10 <laughs> gallons of water just with a yeah. little bit of the Lipton, you know. Give them something. <laughs> give them something. I don't some. know. I don't know. That one's a tricky one. It's it like really, you're
1: not an asshole. I just also think you're wrong
0: <laughs> I feel like we're gonna need more information for that one you know like yeah, yeah, is yeah. it yeah okay and I'll do one more really quick this person uh Reddit user wrote she is a 54 year old female okay. um and this post is pertaining to her 26 year old son uh she's gonna call him Caleb for the purpose of this post Caleb has come okay. with his fiance. Um, Ashley, who's 26 years old for four years, and they recently got engaged. I have offered to pay for their wedding with two stipulations. Number one, they use a wedding planner. I feel like this is essential due to the size of the event and the amount of money going into it. Number two, I have eight people I'm inviting, older relatives that I'm close with. They both agreed to have a wedding planner and they will look for one that they feel comfortable with. The issue is Ashley, the bride, doesn't want me to be able to invite anyone. Caleb knows the relatives well, but is not super close with them. And Ashley has only met them a few times. The wedding is going to be a very large and grand affair and comes... Uh, and she comes from a very large family, and we have a very large family. We're expecting 300 to 400 guests, and I've given them above it a, a budget of $150,000. Caleb says he doesn't care, but it makes Ashley uncomfortable since she doesn't know them and uh, that well, and it's her day. Her family is saying that I'm the asshole, even though they aren't willing to continue fin- uh, financially. I think she might contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about any of the other details of the wedding. Whatever they choose is fine as long as I get those two things. So, Reddit, am I the asshole? No, you're not no. the asshole. No, no. Oh my God, $150,000 for a wedding and like that is affording you to have 300 to 400 guests. So, what is eight people to you? What is eight people? That's so crazy. That is wild to me totally yeah. wild yeah this person hands down she is not the asshole ashley you're the fucking asshole ashley
1: ashley the asshole yeah she's oh, a real and,
0: asshole
1: and what a way to like start your relationship with your future mother-in-law like i know somebody who is fin- like she's asking for so few things i mean number one like a wedding it's like you're paying for it yes yeah, a wedding planner what a gift. I wish I had had a wedding planner.
0: <laughs> Grateful. Oh my god! I can't imagine if I was offering that kind of money to my son's future, you know, husband or wife, and mm-hmm. they they threw it back in my face like that. Like, or yeah. even just even if I wasn't paying for it, or I, you know, and but I asked if I could invite eight people. Yeah, like it's yes. not like it's not is a it fifty-person wedding. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. So this the three go, everyone's the asshole, and this guy's the ass maybe an asshole. And then this this person is definitely not the asshole. That's how it yeah. ends up for today. Okay. That's my quick <laughs> We have made
1: our decisions. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> court, court we is know adjourned. Who the assholes are? <laughs> I mean, you, always, you gotta, you gotta know. You guys, when well, you check your exits, you gotta check your assholes. You know, that's exactly. I have to <laughs> know where rules. all my assholes are at all <laughs>
0: times. <laughs> uh, okay, know your assholes.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So my quickie is from uh, WFL eight. Dot com and from the IB Times. And so this is, um, it's a, you know, I would say it's a pretty classic Sally Quickie. In All right. It's about a couple people. It makes people- no sense. No, <laughs> no this one not sense. It's about a couple people caught having sex and I I love love that shit I do uh Mm -hmm. just I just think it's so funny um okay so (laughs) this was a Florida couple um so Summer Watkins and Jordan now who are both 24 um were pulled over for driving with a suspended license um at like 1 30 in the morning and they were both intoxicated so the trooper pulled them over and was like hey instead of like giving you a Ticket. i'm going to take you to this gas station in naples florida where you can find a ride home um so it was like being very nice and so he yeah. gets in the back of the cruiser um and then he's going to check their car while they're he's like in the car still with them they're sitting in the back seat summer says baby should we record an only fans video back here and then she asks the cop she says what if i suck his thing his d You know, (laughs) she didn't say his D, but back here. Uh And the officer was like, no, please don't. And she's like, but what if I do? And he's like, do not. I'll be back in a couple minutes and I'm going to take you to the gas station. So apparently shortly after. Again, very
0: polite for this police officer. (laughs) But yeah, no please please don't. Please don't. Please don't, please don't, do, don't that. do that. I really, I really... wish you w- wish you wouldn't.
1: <laughs> I really really like it if you did it. So uh so he um shut the door, went to go check their car, and um and then he came back and when he was in the car, he found um, drugs and paraphernalia. So Jordan, who was the, owned the car, was arrested and the officer ended up taking Summer to the gas station. But then once he was had taken Summer to the gas station, he checked his dash cam and he saw that while he had been in the other car, she had actually gone ahead and... Um, do the deed so apparently she was like looked at the camera and was like fuck 5 and then
0: oh my god
1: and while um while jordan recorded on his cell phone and she just go and he was going yeah can y'all hear me she's sucking my d in the back of a state trooper right now and then uh they proceeded to make a phone call with facetime chat with a friend and then summer was like hey i just sucked his day in the back of a police car uh so he all of this of course is caught on the dash cam
0: oh my god <laughs> so
1: the trooper goes back to the gas station where he had dropped summer off picked her back up arrested her uh and she was charged with lewd and lascivious behavior and breach of the peace um aye, aye, aye. So they were yeah. both arraigned and uh and charged <laughs>
0: That is some Florida ass shit.
1: That's some Florida ass shit. That's some Naples,
0: Florida shit right there. I mean, oh people my are god! Like,
1: Come on, OnlyFans, Jesus! I mean, um, so there you people go. People make
0: a lot of money on. I mean, from what I hear, I don't have. I don't have an OnlyFans.
1: I don't either, and I. I don't. Uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm. I'm happy for people to make money on OnlyFans. I just think that, like, you know. Not everything is content, right? (laughs) Like, you're getting arrested. Let's just like keep it cool, man. (laughs) They're already like cutting you a break by being like, hey, we'll just take you to this gas station and let you find a way home.
0: I mean, it really does. Like, I mean, the lengths that people will go for content or for, getting a video that will go viral or I saw, I saw somebody post this thing the other day that said like it was, or it was a sign for like, um, if the building's on fire, please leave before you take a video of it. Um, you know, because it's like people, yeah, I saw a car crash today. I was crossing the street. There was like on the corner, I was walking on down the street and this car like crashed and everyone was outside with their video cameras on it. And it was just like, you Or ask them if they need help. You know what I mean? Like, why are you video? It's just like the need for content into video things and for videos to go viral supersedes the fear or the respect that you have for police officers Especially ones that are doing you a favor when you really should go to jail and they're already doing you a solid. I wonder how many hits they got on that. Probably a lot. I mean, that sounds disgusting and not like anything I would want to see, but I promise you people want to watch that shit. Yeah. Because people are crazy. Mm. I mean, I watch Housewives and people don't understand that. (laughs) (laughs) What people? There are people that watch pimple popper videos. I don't oh. understand that, but those are go viral. So, of course, somebody's going to watch a video of some girl, you know, going down on her boyfriend in the back of a cop car. Of course they will. Of course they will. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's it's wild. <sighs> Man. People. Oh, yeah, yeah. People. People. <laughs> well, hey, Sally. Hey, Jen. Do you want to hear another crazy story about some crazy people? Yes, please. Yes, please. Go I ahead. Do. Because it's my job to give it to you this week. <laughs> and I'm gonna. Do it. Uh, this one's pretty crazy. My story this week came from an article for InvestigationDiscovery.com, written by staff. Uh is a holic. an article for the LA Times, written by David Zucchino. Great name. You Great know, I name. love those Italian names. Mm-hmm. And then also an episode of Who the Bleep Did I Marry?
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good,
0: good. Good one. Good one. So, Chris Johnson uh, was uh, a tomboy growing up, but when she was a teenager, she decided to um, start doing beauty pageants. Okay. So, she, you know, she she switched gears, she pivoted. Um, she was actually named she Miss. She took off her glasses, she put down her to- ponytail. And she she she's all that in herself. (laughs) That is a joke. I have to give credit Haley Elman. That was a joke that she does on stage, is because she's got glasses and long hair, and she 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 called it. She's all that in herself. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so uh, she actually was named Miss New York Teenager. Dang! Did you know? Right, I didn't. So um, she ended up joining the ROTC in college, uh, and went to college at Mount State. Mary college, uh, which was mostly all female, but right down the river, uh, the Hudson river, uh, mm-hmm. was West point military Academy, which was mostly all dudes at the time. So of course being a, you know, a college girl yeah, when a college was mostly women, they had to go see about some dudes. So <laughs> on Halloween in, in 1985, Uh, Chris and some of her girlfriends decided to like get dressed up in their Halloween costumes and like go down to West Point and see who they could talk to. Um, So she was actually dressed like a baby and they went down. sexy baby. A sex, a real (laughs) sexy baby. (laughs) They went down to the barracks at West Point and they obviously were not supposed to be there but they had dudes to look for. So they met a a group of guys and they were talking to them and um, then Chris noticed that there was this one guy like sitting by himself his desk, looking incredibly uncomfortable. That girls were there. Yeah. So <laughs> she decided to go up to him and start talking to him. Um, she found out his name was Jim Johnson. She thought that he seemed like a really good guy and somebody that he just didn't want to break the rules, you yeah. know. And like, and she felt like he was somebody that really like had his shit together. They started talking, and she really liked him. And at one point, she made him cookies. And I guess uh, after she brought him cookies, he, being the gentleman, returned the cookie tin to her and told her that they were the best cookies he's ever had. As she says in the show, she, you know, won him over. Like the way to a man's heart is through his stomach kind of thing. Uh So he fell in love with her because of her cookies. (laughs) And then they started (laughs) dating from there. Only it were that easy. (laughs) If only. Um. As I made a lot of cook no I'm just getting at it so
1: why knew- well, I mean if only he knew all he needed was free tickets yeah just free <laughs> tickets
0: guys just free tickets. Tickets, um, tickets, tickets, tickets. <laughs> so uh, they started dating, and, but and by the end of the year, they knew that they that they had found the one. Chris totally trusted him and knew that she wanted to build a life with him. And Jim came from a really good family. Um, his dad was a general at the in the Pentagon. Uh, he was uh, his dad was. Lieutenant General James Houston Johnson. He was considered to be Fort Bragg Airborne Royalty is what they called him. <laughs> okay. uh, and so um, after they graduated, Jim continued officers training and Chris went to airborne school. And she was actually the only woman in her class, which is like really uh-huh. impressive. Yeah. And so when she graduated, Jim ended up pinning her with the same airborne wings that his dad Pinned him with when he graduated. And he, you know, he was so proud of her and he loved her so much. So the very next day, Jim made her a nice breakfast and there were roses at the breakfast. And then he proposed to her. So she said, Yes. They got married on May 17th, 1987. Um, and friends said that, like, they've never seen a couple more confident when they got married, you know, like like okay. at the wedding. They just knew, like, they didn't have a doubt in their mind that there was no nervousness at all, that they were just meant to be together. So Chris viewed her and Jim as a like a team. I mean, you are a mm. team when you're married. And even though she was also had her own military career, she decided it was like best for her to support Jim through his. And so she mm. put hers on hold. They had two children together. And so she supported him so that he could advance in the ranks. And yeah. um, like but like I said, she considered it all to be part of the big picture, which was right. you know, them being married forever and being a team. Um, but during the war in Afghanistan, Jim was deployed, was promoted to lieutenant lieutenant colonel, um, but he was gone for a year. And then he came back in 2003, only for three months before hmm. he was selected to command a battalion in Iraq. So then in September of 2005, he deployed again as a, as a commander. And at that time, they were apart for four years. That's a long oh, wow. time. wow. Yeah, that's a long time. So when he returned... Um, Chris said that he was different. He was cold. He was distant, like not only to Chris, but also to their kids. Mm -hmm. He wasn't affectionate anymore. He was short tempered and withdrawn. Chris was worried about their connection and their relationship. But then Jim found out that he was selected to command a brigade in Italy, which was a huge honor. And then they would all move together to Vincenza, Italy together as a family. So she was like, hell yeah, we're all going to Italy, you know? And so, and she thought that this would be really good For their marriage, because like they're they'd be moving to a foreign country together, you know it brings a lot of closeness, especially after being apart for so long. But she said that he actually grew even more cold and distant. One particular Christmas in December of two thousand eight, she said the whole Christmas was just sad and miserable. Like he was so distant and acting very strange. But for some reason, he insisted, like, even though he didn't take part in any of the festivities, he insisted that they have a New Year's celebration, which he thought was weird. So he told Chris that there was a family that he had worked with when he was in Iraq, that they were his interpreters when they were, he he was there and he became very close with them. And he really wanted this family to come and stay at the celebration. So this family, they were called the Al- they were the Alatar family. He ha- he actually drove six hours to pick them up in the Netherlands, and then six hours back, like a twelve hour yeah. car ride to pick this family up. And he didn't even have a car big enough to pick up this whole family, so he ended up using a brigade vehicle. Which Chris, being in the military, knew that that was a huge no no, but Jim right. insisted on it. Um, and she said it was all just very out of mm-hmm. his character, and she knew something was off. Yeah. So after he came home from his 12-hour round-trip drive, he introduced Chris and his kids to um, Aladine Alatar, the husband of the family, and then his mm-hmm. wife. It sounded – I don't care. Okay. Third wall. Fourth wall? Uh, <laughs> it sounded like they said Shrek Aladine. Okay. And I kept trying to Google and see if I could find her actual name, but – I think they said Shrek, Shrek Alatar. So anyway, so then and then their twenty four year old daughter Havin, who at the time uh, who had with her a fourteen month old child. Mm-hmm. So. And then immediately Chris thought something was so weird when Jim did something like even more out of character when he brought them inside, he like kneeled down and picked up the small child and that the child didn't even like flinch or anything like the child seemed incredibly comfortable with Jim. Yeah. And she thought that was very weird, especially because he was so like, inaffectionate and with his own children. So Chris said that the whole dinner was so weird, like Chris and Havine sat at one end of the table, the 24 year old daughter. Yeah. um, And and he noticed and she noticed that Havine had the same digital camera that Jim had given her as a present. So she knew something was up. Yeah. So after the party, Chris straight up asked Jim if he was having an affair with her. And he said, no, her family would kill her. That was his response. Not like, no, are you crazy? Like, oh, you Like, just no, her family would kill her. And then she said, Mm. well, have you kissed her? And then he said, yes, but not passionately. What? Okay. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) And so – The next day, Jim told uh, Chris that he wanted to take the Alachar family shopping. So he bought, I mean, like, shoes for her baby, a sweater, shampoo, and a bunch of other things that she wanted. And it was just really weird. It was, you know, I don't know. And so then when Jim left to take the the Alatar family back to the Netherlands, Chris decided to, like, snoop around his office and be like, what the hell is happening here? Because she just knew something was up. So. When she was in his office, she found a notebook. And in the notebook, Jim had written three columns. And at the top of each column, it said, divorce now, divorce in six months, or divorce in a year. And he had been weighing out, like, which would be most beneficial to him. Oh, my God. Like, what the fuck? Disgusting. And so she was shocked, oh, yeah, obviously. And so when she got he got home, she immediately, you know confronted him about it and he just said I'm sorry that you saw that. Like, well, I'm sorry. He did deny that he was having an affair, but he was just like, yeah, I want to get don't you want to get a divorce? I want to get a divorce, you know. Yeah. But so in the military, it's frowned upon if you are caught having an affair. And so it, it could really affect your career. So, of course, he denied denied the whole affair part. Um And Chris said that she knew that the baby couldn't have been Jim's because he had had a vasectomy, but she said that she knew for sure that he was having an affair with her. Um, Yeah. But I know people who have told me that they had a vasectomy that was unsuccessful. So I don't know that that's totally true or not.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say like it's not I mean, it's yeah. yeah.
0: So Chris kept looking for more proof and she ended up finding like a black book um, of secret email accounts. Like if you're going to have secret email accounts, you're going to like write it down <laughs> right? with the passwords. Like this guy wanted to get caught. He was like, he had like a book that said cheating book and like a breadcrumb trail leading to it. That's why older oh people God. should not be having an
1: affairs because we cannot no. remember
0: passwords, can't like, can't keep your secrets. It's crazy, yeah. So, she, and this is a guy who is a lieutenant colonel in the United States military, like, and he's leaving books with passwords. Like he knew what he was doing. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so she went through the these emails. And it was three years worth of back and forth emails between him and Havin. So this was a long affair. And she saw that he had been giving money to her. At one point, he had taken out $10,000 out of the family account and turned it into euros to give to her. And Chris called him out about it again. And she at that point wanted to fight for their marriage. So they did agree to go to counseling. So like I said, affairs are frowned upon in the military, but they're also very common. Yes. And so it's a whole thing. It's like as long as they're discovered, you know, then it's a problem. But if it's not and people and people don't get divorced and they stay together, then it's not a problem. So right. the Army counselors – so they went to like an Army marriage counselor. And the, right. they were like – they're kind of designed to keep the families together. At one point, Jim was given a book that was titled – cheating? It's not your fault. And the whole book was like about (laughs) like, how is the woman's fault that he Mm -hmm. was unfaithful? So fucked up. So Jim didn't stop the affair. He kept like seeing her. In fact, he was so brazen about it that he was using his like government credit card to buy things for her. Um, I know. And so, you know, Chris ended up keeping quiet and like protecting Jim because at this point, like She doesn't have any money and she's in another country. And like, if Jim loses his career, then her family loses everything, her and her kids lose everything. So she's trying to handle everything with grace and like protect him. But then early that November, Jim ends up calling her and says, how soon can you be ready for a trip? And she was like, "Why? Where are we going?" And he was like, "No, you're going." And he was like, "I'm buying you a ticket out of Italy. I want you gone." So he decided that he was just going to kick Chris out of the family. He literally he revoked her command sponsorship, so she was not allowed to stay in Europe. She had to leave. And then he also demanded that she leave her kids behind. No, I know. So Remember she was that like, movie,
1: "Not without my daughter." No, not without any of my children, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> So she was like, hell no, 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 no. Like there was no way she was going to leave and leave the kids there. You know what I mean? So she ended up running to her kids' school. She checked them out of school and bought them all one-way tickets to the United States. And she just fled. And so, which was the smartest thing she could have done, even though she had no job and no money. um, She was like hiding out at her parents' house. But five days later, Jim called her parents and tracked her down. Um, He was absolutely livid. He was claiming that she kidnapped the kids. He tried to file two injunctions for emergency custody, but both were denied, thankfully. And by the end of December... Chris got a phone call from a friend that was still living in Vincenza, like a neighbor, um, mm-hmm. telling her that Jim had moved his mistress and child into their house. So he wasted no time before moving yeah. on. So, um, but this was also a huge problem because commanders shouldn't have affairs, obviously, but or foreign relations without reporting it. So yeah. it's like, so not only is he having an affair, he's having a, an affair with a foreigner and moving her into the house and he's not reporting it. Yeah. So, um, so Chris ended up contacting the commanding general and told him everything and told him what he was doing. She typed him a five page letter and told him about the emails, the misuse of credit card funds, everything. Job, and so Chris, yeah, hell yeah. So by um, February, the Army had started, a uh, it's called the 15-6 investigation um, against Jim, which would soon become a criminal investigation. So Jim was claiming that Chris was kicked off of the post because she was a disruption. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> she was uh,
1: disrupting his affair?
0: Yeah, I guess. And she actually wasn't. I know she was like protecting him. Mm -hmm. So he accused her of international kidnapping too. But luckily when he tried to take her to court for that, the judge actually ruled in Chris's favor. Yeah. Thank God. And so the stress of all of it made her super ill. And she ended up getting, have um, growing a pre malignant tumor on her pancreas, the size of a grapefruit. I know it's horrible, but To make things even worse, after she had surgery, Chris found out that her health insurance claim was denied, even though she should have military benefits. Um, And so she owed the hospital $100,000 for her surgery. And so she was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm still married to him. I should be covered. But when she looked into it, files showed that on September 23rd of that year, her and Jim were divorced. Jim had falsified divorce papers.
1: No. Yes. What and happened so, to this man? What happened?
0: Havin. She's mm. really hot. I'm just saying. <laughs> so she's really beautiful. <laughs> and so anyway, um, the army investigated it and found out that he had doctored the marriage license and made it look like a divorce decree. And on November 9th of that year, then um, Jim and Havin got married. So now he was he's committed bigamy. Because now he's he's like married to two people on top of falsifying records. So, but it turned out that the CIA had actually been investigating him for a while, um, for other reasons, and yeah, I was it gonna started. Say, gonna guess this isn't his only. No. Uh, so it started when he was raising, for some reason, he started raising a big stink about a small contract that wasn't being paid. And they were like, why do you care so much about this tiny contract when we're like Mm -hmm. figuring out how we're going to get like water to troops? They couldn't understand why he was so upset over this small contract and kept trying to push it through. But when Chris informed them about Havin, they put the dots together and they discovered that the contract that Jim had been upset about belonged to Havin's father. Oh, and <laughs> the cult, the contractor was cultural advising, mm-hmm. um, but her dad was an Iraqi living in the Netherlands, and um, and why would he be advising him on Afghan yeah, yeah. culture, right? So Chris gave the CIA like all the information that she had, um, and he, it turned out that he had actually given a government phone to the Alatar family, a government phone. Ended up totaling over $30,000 in charges they racked up on this phone. Yeah. And they found a $10 million contract that Jim was trying to get passed um, for windmills. And it was all under the guise that it would help get water resources to the troops. But when the CIA spoke to the windmill company, they were yeah. like, oh, there's no way that this would ever work in Afghanistan. It just doesn't make any sense, like the, the windmill. So mm-hmm. Jim... um. Then it was discovered that Jim was trying to push this contract through because Aladine Alatar, her dad, worked for the windmill company and he would have gotten a $500,000 commission if the deal went through. He's so sloppy. And then, <laughs> then <laughs> the CIA also found a sex tape that Jim kept of him and have been <sighs> on his government computer. Jim, what I the know. Fuck? My God. The worst part about this was that the sex fl- t- the sex tape took place in Iraq when his brigade was fighting at that very time in Afghanistan. Like he no. had abandoned his brigade <laughs> to go to Iraq and have sex with Heavy. And he taped it and then he put it on his government computer. Oh my God.
1: I just, so- my God. It's like. What, is this worth it? Was it, I hope
0: it was worth it. Maybe it was worth it. Uh, so listen, okay. So he was charged with 27 um counts, including adultery, bigamy, fraud, misuse of resources, all kinds of things. But what sucks for Chris is that if he is found guilty... And loses everything, then Chris and her kids also lose everything. So it right. is like not a, it's a lose lose for Chris yeah. and her family. And it sucks. And um, so on June 12, 2012, my birthday, your um, birthday. Yeah. Um, Jim Johnson went to court um, and Chris was there and she watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But she said that he was looking at her with like daggers in his eyes because in his brain, he's like, this is all your fault. You know, right. Like for none of this would have happened
1: if it wasn't for you yeah, pesky kids. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Um,
0: so he ended up pleading guilty to 15 charges because the evidence was pretty undeniable. But then they allowed Jim's father, um, you know, the oh, right. general oh or whatever, God. to oh. take the stand and and he like said what a like that his son is an honest man and an honorable man and even though he literally just pled guilty right you know right. What I mean? but he's like Imagine. no my son's <laughs> honest and so after a few um hours of deliberation the jury found jim guilty on two counts of conduct unbecoming of an officer mm. that's it and when jim was sentenced he pled with the court not to send him to jail not to be with Chris and his family, right? Uh, he all he he said that so he could be with Havin and save her from being deported. He actually said to the judge that Havin and her child are the center of my life, while his own blood children were sitting in the room. Like how God. fucking heartbreaking is that? Oof. So heartbreaking. Oof. Yeah. So he would be sentenced to either five years of confinement or pay a thirty a $300,000 fine. Mm -hmm. And his dad wrote a check right then and there. And Jim walked out of the courtroom, still a Colonel. (gasps) No. Yeah. Yeah. So the good thing is because he walked out of the courtroom, still a Colonel. And then Chris divorced him. Yeah. Real this time. Um, So Jim's still living together is still with Havin and living together with her and her child. Um, but the, the good thing is, is that Chris and her children will get half of Jim's pension and benefits, so they will be right. taken care of. But. She, this whole ordeal that Chris has been through was a total nightmare, obviously, but, um, she's now fighting for reform to protect military families because this shouldn't happen. Like if, if your husband's the asshole and, and doing all these things that you and your children shouldn't be penalized for it if you had nothing to do with it, you know? Right. And so she, um, is working on it's called the family served to military justice reform act and if passed it will allow the service person who commits the misconduct to be punished Mm -hmm. um and the benefits of the family will be protected
1: yeah no that's i mean that makes sense you know like i grew up in the military and or my dad was in the military and that i mean I mean, one, affairs happen all the time, especially with people traveling so much and like people who are deployed. But yeah, it's like when you are a family of somebody in like we were in the Air Force, like your whole family like moves and everybody is serving, right? Like we're all all on the base. Like my mom gave up her career so that my dad could, you know, so that he could move every three years for his career. And so it's like, you know, when they got divorced, she had half of his retirement and she was like I deserve that like and she did yeah, because absolutely. it's like she served for, right with him you know and she made right his career possible so and I think my dad would agree with that too um and I think most you know I don't know everybody would agree that but that's it's it is hard on military families just as is for the person who's serving so I absolutely. totally
0: support her good me too so that's yeah. my crazy story Man, Jim just, Johnson.
1: Fuck Jim Johnson. Like fuck what Johnson? What goes on in that? Like somebody who you can be so in love with, have a family with, and then just like be treat so like cold. shit. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right. That's amazing. Well, yeah, it's amazing. Um, well, that's a good one. Good job.
0: Good Thanks, job, Jen.
1: Um, hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready? for a beautiful story better be gorgeous it's gorgeous it is it has love it has passion it has uh some sad parts but then triumph it's got it all. good good so i'm ready for it okay i got my information from an article on boston 25 news by jason law and then three articles in K-F-O-R, Oklahoma News 4 by Kaylee Douglas. Okay, Rachel Foster is the head chef and owner of Moni's Pizza and Pasta in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, She and her husband, John Foster, one day were out riding electric scooters in their neighborhood. John was behind Rachel and he said all of a sudden, he's like nothing, there was like nothing in the road and he has no idea what happened, but she... Fell off of her scooter and he thought like they weren't going that fast. He was like, I thought it was maybe like maybe she had like some rose road rash or something. But when he caught up to her, she was unresponsive. And so he called 911. So Rachel was taken to Oklahoma University Health and doctors realized there that she had 17 broken bones and she had a serious head trauma. Oh my god. Um, yeah, wow. so John yeah, John said they basically said a severely catastrophic brain injury, which I later found out in medical literature is pretty much a pretty much a term for the worst type of brain injury where there's not really a chance of coming back. Oh. So wow for 10 days, Rachel was not breathing on her own. She was hooked up to um, breathing tubes. And John said, it took me a while to understand that she wasn't breathing and that it was a ventilator that was breathing for her. So at this point, doctors were telling John and Rachel's family that there was no chance that she was going to recover. So John and his family had to decide whether to keep Rachel on life support or to basically take her off life support. And then if they were going to do that, fulfill her wishes of becoming an organ donor, because they knew that Rachel is, she has said she was like, donate them if I don't need them. That was like her quote. And, uh, and so John and the family made like a really hard decision. They said they started the process of organ donation He actually wrote this long message to the family. He said, um, God will either heal Rachel in the days it takes to set up the organ donations or God will heal others through Rachel's generous gift. Oh, Um, John said, I felt in my spirit that it was done and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant she was healed. I didn't know if that meant it was time to release her. Then on Saturday, November 19th, one day before Rachel was scheduled to be Removed from life support, the unthinkable happened. She woke up. Oh, my God. John said that the doctor sprinted into the room. He grabbed his hand and started yelling, Rachel, Rachel. He said, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And Rachel squeezed his hand really hard.
0: The doctor said,
1: Rachel, if you hear me, wiggle your toes. And both of her feet started wiggling. But at that point, she wasn't breathing On her own yet so he turned the doctor turned the ventilator off and there was no breath and he said Rachel you have to breathe now you have to breathe John said they sat and waited for what felt like an eternity so it was probably like three or four seconds and then all of a sudden she started breathing so for Rachel's family like the only way they can even begin to like explain this was that it was a miracle, um, because she wasn't supposed to survive. Wow! So over the next couple of weeks, Rachel got stronger and stronger. She was completely with it mentally. She just had a lot of physical recovering to do. John would go and spend mornings and nights with Rachel and then he would be at the restaurant in the afternoons. He said her medical care was amazing, but it was 100% a miracle. And actually her neurosurgeon totally agreed. He was like, "This, we have no explanation for how she just woke up. Uh, And one member of the medical team actually said, Rachel's recovery has changed the way he will practice medicine forever. Soon, Rachel and John were communicating. They, he said, we they started making inside jokes, and he would tell her about like how everything, you know, everybody was supporting them. Um, and she said she was just like blown away by the amount of support and love she was getting. So in December, um, Rachel was sent to Atlanta because she needed another another surgery. So this was just last December. Um, oh wow! At the, so she was sent for surgery at the Shepherd Center. Uh, John oh, yeah, said that's ha- right by him. yeah, So he said half of Rachel's skull was removed during her emergency surgery in Oklahoma in order to make room for the swelling. Normally, the brain has negative pressure, but without that piece of her skull, the atmospheric pressure was essentially crushing her brain. Oh, so God. he said that made rehab impossible. So apparently it was like really painful. and so in January, at the Shepherd Center, she had an implanted, like a 3D printed cap that basically restored the structure of her skull. So it like, you know, released that pressure that was on her brain. So, yeah. So she stayed in Atlanta. She went through rehab. Despite all of everything that happened, Rachel was optimistic and positive about her health. She got a tattoo of this of a sun on her arm. And she said every time she needed motivation, she would look down at the tattoo. Because she said the point of the tattoo is that even though the sun sets at night, it will rise in the morning. So even though hard times come into my life, I will rise again. So John moved to Atlanta with her when, when she came down for rehab and she said, I just feel like I couldn't have done this without John because every single morning he encourages me and is there for me and is just so supportive of me. And she also said that she was so grateful to everyone, especially the staff at her restaurant, because she said that they have kept the restaurant running with so much skill. She said that if people didn't know that what had happened to her, they wouldn't have noticed a difference. And the reason that the staff was so willing to work so hard for Rachel and John was because – I mean, because they're good people and also because during the beginning of COVID, Rachel and John had given up their own health insurance in order to keep the staff employed. So they basically were like, we won't pay for – we don't – are going to use this money that we could have been using to pay for our health insurance – to help keep the staff here. And so that means that during this accident, they didn't have health insurance. So oh God, yeah, so in the absence of insurance, a GoFundMe was started and to cover Rachel's medical costs, and they actually have raised over $100,000. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so even more, like if this is already not so amazing, during her rehab, um, Rachel did, she would do physical ther- therapy in the morning, and then she started running several miles every afternoon. And she'd always wow. been a runner. Yeah, she was like, she was a runner. She always did long distance running. And she said, I've always been a runner at heart. It's a stress relief for me, and it just helps me kind of work through things in my own head. So in March, they were able to go back to their home in Oklahoma, and Rachel decided to focus on a new goal she was going to run the boston marathon oh,
0: and wow. i don't mean
1: i don't mean like several years from now i mean the one that just happened like a couple weeks ago so oh my she was God. got back like she was having brain surgery in January, she went home from rehab in March. And in April, she decided to run the marathon. Oh, she'd actually... my God. Yes. So she qualified for Boston in 2022 because she had competed in a marathon in Oklahoma. And she said she wasn't going to let a near-death experience keep her from doing what she loved. She said, I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but I'm there mentally and I'm getting there physically. So I am getting geared up for it. So her hard work paid off, and she completed the 127th Boston Marathon. Wow. Um, Yeah, she crossed the finish line with a time of five hours and 44 minutes. She said, I've been so excited for this day. It literally helped me walk again. I know it sounds crazy, but just the thought of doing this and being here helped me first walk, then jog, then run. Tim Altendorf, who is her like longtime running partner and friend from Oklahoma, ran with her, and he said her recovery has been so incredible. He said, she did great for somebody who probably shouldn't have been out there, but her determination and her resolve, I don't know anybody like Rachel. I really don't. So this was her second time actually running the Boston Marathon, her 10th marathon overall, but she says of course this will be the most special. She said it really was a miracle. I should not be alive alive right now and I definitely should not be running marathons. And Rachel just wants people to know no matter what happens, there's always hope. Wow, Isn't that is that
0: incredible. Amazing. What a badass. Like that I know. is wow. Like, what's everybody else's excuse? Like, what's my excuse? <laughs> right? For not working out. To- like I mean, wow. I mean, she's, that's just so incredibly, like, awe-inspiring. And, like, I'm kind of just at a loss for words.
1: I know. And- just to be like, yeah, I mean, I can't walk. And then five months from now, I'm going to run a marathon. And just to be like, yes, I don't. I know this is all, all, everything that's happened to me. And because of that, like, you know, not despite that, but because of that, I am still going to run this marathon. It's so amazing.
0: And just the faith that, um, that they both had, you know, like how mm-hmm. he, he just had faith that like, you know, either she, God's going to heal her or God's going to use her organs to heal other people. And just like had, and she just like had faith that she was going to get better and run the marathon and. And, yeah, uh, and wow, and that is, and so incredibly kind of them to, um, give up their health insurance to save their employees um, and keep them. Like, yeah, what amazing people, right? And it's truly. like
1: another thing where you're like, this is karma coming back around. Like, I mean, not yes. that it's one to one, but it's just like, you know, they were good people, and then good, then people are going to repay them with kindness, and that's just, um, that's just a beautiful beautiful story i think
0: it really is that's a good one sally
1: yeah congratulations rachel yes great
0: um all right well let's do something dumb and something we love okay um so for something dumb um this has happened since we last recorded but it is just absolutely heartbreaking 16 year old ralph yarl that was just going to pick up his two little siblings um and went to the wrong door and was shot like just the fact that he was shot twice and then he ran to several houses for help and this child Mm -hmm. who was in need how many people just didn't open the door for him and didn't help him and this poor sweet sweet boy and what he's going through and the road that he has ahead of him for doing nothing other mm-hmm. than just knocking on the wrong door, it it's just like it really just makes me sick and breaks my heart, and um I guess like the person uh, Andrew Lester is the man that shot him, and he pled not guilty, and I mean. And then, to, sorry, I'm like, I'm kind of at a loss for words, just because mm-hmm. I, I feel like every time we're doing this lately, it has to do with gun violence. And then even I guess like a day after that happened, another girl in upstate New York, um, is it, was it upstate New York was yeah, drove to the wrong um, um, up the wrong driveway and was shot like this shouldn't be a thing. This shouldn't be a thing that people are just shot for walking in the wrong place. Like what is wrong with the country and how can this country and how can we not just see the connection to all of these horrible tragedies that happen every day. And it's all connected to guns. Like, why are we like, I just can't, I, I feel like I can't even articulate it well because I'm just saying the same thing that everybody keeps saying. I feel like I'm living in a, fucking twilight zone
1: yeah it feels like a dystopian nightmare it does where it it's is like people are so afraid of each other and everybody is just armed to the fucking hilt that like it just make it's like oh well i'm scared scared of a child at my doorstep let me shoot him in the face and then plead say it's it's his fault for coming to the wrong door it's like
0: yeah. <sighs> i know yeah it just makes me so so sick um And then for something I love, um, you know, here I am talking about how it's just like terrible news, terrible news, terrible news. Yeah. Well, there is a new newsletter that you can sign up for and it's called Humankind and it's by USA Today. And so if you sign up every Friday, they'll send you the world's most positive and heartwarming news stories directly to your inbox. You know I need that. I know they said they'll feature human triumphs, military reunions, adorable kids, cute animals, puppies, and more. We're all about it kindness, inspiration, and happy tears. If it raises your spirits and makes you feel better around the world, you'll find it here in our newsletter. So um, it was founded by um, Terry Badu, who's a news journalist, who's now focusing on telling and highlighting only the most uplifting aspects of our wonderful world. Um, and so Terry, that is nice. And that is so in the vein. I love it so much because it's so in the vein of like what we were trying to do at one point. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. So sick of all the darkness, but I'm glad Terry Badu. I'm so glad that you are doing it. So thank you for doing that. Uh, So if you sign up, um, you can go on USA Today, look up Terry Badu and sign up for the happy news, humankind newsletter. Love it. I love yes.
1: that. I'm on it, Terry. Um, yeah. Okay. So for my something dumb and something I love. Um, so I started a new job this week. It's with the same place. I just got a promotion and it's like a bigger Congratulations. job. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I love that. I think I love that. I love that. Um, but the thing that's dumb, and I don't know if I told you this because it happened over spring break, but oh. I had the interview like with all the you know big people in the organization and. Um, I get a text from my boss. She's like, hey, okay, so are you coming in for this or are you going to do it over Zoom? And I was like, no, I'm coming in. And in my mind, and I had it on my calendar as a noon. And so I was like at home, just like, I was like eating a bagel because I was like, well, if I'm going to have to be in a a." interview at noon i better like carb load <laughs> i better get yeah. i want to be full i don't want to be like my stomach growling at noon and uh and so she's like okay great if you're coming in we're all in steve's office and i was like what do you mean you're all in steve's office 10am like <laughs> <10 a>. <laughs> and she was like and then i look at the meeting invite and even though i had put it on my calendar for 12 it was 10 and i had just gotten in the car i was like Oh, my God. And, t- you know, it was like took me over 20 minutes to get there. And I was just like
0: walked in like, hey. <laughs> God, oh. I just love that. Like you were so charmed that you could be like, <laughs> hey, guys, beep, 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 like late, 20 minutes late to an it's interview late. and make people late. And they're still like, no problem. They're hired. Like that would never fly. For anyone, except
1: for Sally. Sally uh, Brooks. I don't know. I was just like, you guys, I'm, I did, I did come in with like a, like, hey, like I, you know, I just want to start out with like my, my best quality is punctuality.
0: <laughs> and they were like, oh, You want to with humor.
1: <sighs> yeah. Nice <I> mean. word. <laughs>
0: that's awesome um, I love it yeah
1: so I felt real dumb but I do love that they still gave me the job anyway so <laughs> I love
0: that too for yeah you. that's great
1: also oh, I just want to say before we go that you um you recommended shrinking a couple times so good right yes my sister-in-law recommended shrinking uh and I finally watched it and I, like, blew through it. It's so good. It's so charming. It's so, like, heartfelt. I just – I love it so much. It's really good. Me too. I love every bit of it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Um, No problem. Yeah. All right, you guys, that's our episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can watch um, videos from the episode on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. Um, You can also, or YouTube, you can also email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Rate and review. Tell a friend. We'd love that.
0: We would love all of that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we dumb love you so much. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love.